It's our mock draft episode. Come join us as we go through the ins and outs of our decision-making at each stage of the snake. We'll show you how to construct a balanced roster, and you'll hear some of our specific player picks. Chris Welch of In This League joins us next to draft on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast, presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Not bad. Watched a Mets exhibition game today, a little bit of a bullpen game. Mets had some great offense, back-to-back homers, Lindor, Mark Canha. It's just so fantastic that be able to watch this now after the past month. You know, there was a time where we didn't know what was going to happen. How about you? What's going on? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm enjoying the same Mets games as you are, and I can't wait till this Sunday where DeGrom and Scherzer are pitching in the same game. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that is that is amazing. Uh, and now, I, I don't want to toot my horn uh, too much, but uh, really good news. Fantasy Pros just dubbed the ATC projections as the most accurate projections for, for 2021. That's the third year in a row. So, uh, you know, hey, listening to a Beat Shift podcast, and we do ATC projections, so just want to uh, make ourselves a little bit more credible, and there you go. And speaking of Fantasy Pros, want to welcome Chris Welsh from Fantasy Pros and the In This League podcast. Welcome to the show, Chris. My friends, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me, and congratulations. Three straight years, no fluke. Ariel, absolutely no fluke whatsoever uh, for three straight years of being the top dog. And, you know, anytime Bogman and I over on the In This League Fantasy podcast do any type of, uh, an, you know, analyzing of rank episodes and whatnot, we like to throw in projections and we will throw in some bat X. But we always are talking about ATC because uh, what you do is the standard, my friend, in three straight years. So great job. Appreciate that. All right. Well, this is going to be a great episode. It's our mock draft episode. We'll talk a little bit of strategy, and then uh, at the end of this episode, for the majority of the episode, we'll go through a mock draft. Both Chris, Ruvain, and myself will do a mock, and we'll talk through our procedures, and you'll get a little bit of the flavor of uh, how we do it, and maybe that'll help you in your thought process. So uh, just before we talk about our strategy, uh, uh, Chris, we were in a league this past Sunday, Tout Wars Head-to-Head. What are your thoughts on uh, how you did, how it went, and overall what the league looked like? Yeah, it was my second year in Tout. I was in last year, and it's it's definitely a test for me on a couple fronts. Uh, I don't particularly play points that much. It's not my favorite format. I think you had won it the year before, so you got to pick the format, and you went points. And I think Frank won it. The, Frank Stample won it this last year, and he picked points again. And then also on top of it, Ariel, because I got to ask you. I'm not an auction guy. Not that auctions aren't fun and they don't level the playing field, but I think I think it's my impatience. Like how how do you manage it? Like you are a well-oiled machine and you're kind of the guy that we all have to chase and we have to, you know, we we can't like whenever I see you get values, I'm like, "Oh, why did we let Ariel get? Like why are we letting this happen? We can't let this happen." Like you, I feel like you are such a meticulous machine that nothing bugs you. Where I sit there and I'm like, "Oh my god, 4 hours? Does that not ever get to you?" Uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, we do You're a lot monster. of auctions on this show here. Uh, obviously, in the Beat the Shift podcast, auction is our specialty. No, it's uh, really about patience. And, you know, I thought last year's draft was really hot and the prices were insane. And I didn't yeah. have a pick until the 30th pick. 
this I did not pick a player in the first fifty picks. I don't know if you realize that. No, I, I, I into it. I, I believe me, I was monitoring because I, I had some new strategy. I, I picked up a lot because this is, you know, it's a big industry league. There's big hit, heavy hitters in there. It was a little different last year because there were a bunch of us that were on a Zoom, so you kind of see some reactions. But it was my first time feeling out auctions. And this is a good thing, by the way. I'm saying, like, I'm sitting here kind of complaining about auctions. Auctions are not my wheelhouse, but it's very, very good, whether you're an analyst, a writer, or a consumer of fantasy, to do things outside of your wheelhouse. You find new enjoyment, you find new challenges, it makes you better as a fantasy player. So it's good. I embrace those things. Not that I don't sit and quietly complain about, oh my god, we're in hour three and we still have 12 more players to go. Um, But the first year was kind of an eye-opener, and you you, you and a few others were putting on master classes for it. And this year was a lot different. And I was, I was paying a lot of attention to a couple different things. And one of those was seeing you and there were two other guys, I think, that when we got into like hour two, really had not done anything and spent any money. And I was like, here we go. Here's the hammer and here are the middle rounds. And, and I've got to be patient. And that was why, actually, I pivoted a strategy this year to do a couple things. I went studs and scrubs and I purposefully wanted to be the first buyer because typically in any time I've ever done an auction, the first top, as long as it's not like, you know, a, you know, just some random guy they throw out like a, a second baseman that's like towards the bottom or something like mile straw, you know, someone throws out mile straw to, to start it off. But if, if you have one of the big name guys, I think most, you know, auction guys have always known this is you get deals. You're going to get deals on that top guy. So I purposely wanted to be the top guy and thank God Vladimir Guerrero was the first one that came out. He was a target of mine. And then I went pretty heavy studs and scrubs on both uh, concentration on pitching, which I didn't concentration uh, concentrate on relievers last year. And then a couple big hitters let you guys play in the middle where I thought it was going to be pretty difficult to compete. And then I just filled out my roster on the back end knowing it was 12 teams that there were going to be a bunch of good value so i'm very happy comparative to my first year in tout against you you mentioned it being a four-hour auction it's like playing poker you have to know when to you know you don't have to play every single hand you can be in every single hand you can fold every single hand eventually you will play some hands because you have to play them and i think that's how you go about it i think you have to bluff sometimes and that's where you have to price enforce and I, I was actually watching this watching it as it was going on and i saw that Aro kept waiting and waiting and waiting and there was he was not nervous i i know because i i draft with him all the time he's not nervous because he's going to wait for the prices to come to him and that's when he makes his values and you know the, the couple things i just want to throw out here for amazing analogy and i used to be a poker player i used to play all the time so that's the funny thing about me not being you know super into auctions is i would sit for 14 hours straight and play poker i think definitely like the the cop-out stuff you get is like oh you know you have a family and your parent and you're in your uh, like i would do better if i were in an in-person you know like that's how i would do better playing poker in general with that and i just want to point out that was one thing i was very aware of and i made part of my strategy was knowing how meticulous someone like ariel was going to be and also knowing like where that price was you know like i could use there's a couple different auction calculators out there the fangraphs one being one of the better ones that i uh, just as an example i would use that to really know where some of you guys were going and i purposefully because I went studs and scrubs with heavy pitching and three big hitters, I was willing to pay a couple more dollars 
because I already knew what I was in for. Instead of trying to create values and play in the middle and let the draft come to me, I aggressively came at the draft and I knew when you guys were going to stop. And it was, I mean, it was almost to a T sometimes with the auction calculators of, I said, well, this guy's 26. If I go 27, bam, I got him and I would. And I probably ended up paying seven or eight more dollars across seven players uh, based on the prices that I could uh, project. And that was okay though, because I was going in and playing in the dollar bend on the back end and things worked out. And the only reason, again, I did that was because it was a 12 team, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I'll say a few things. First of all, I think you did, uh, you think you were smart to anticipate that I'd be in the middle and some others would be in the middle and that maybe you tilted towards stars and scrubs so you wouldn't have to compete. I think that was a good deal. Um, we generally discourage stars and scrubs in an auction on this show because. I did too. I did too, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, and one of the reasons are, you know, if you have just dollars, you know, you're playing in one bin. If you're playing all over and distributing them top and bottom, you're getting a bargain somewhere, everywhere. You know, if you have more chances for a bargain, the more you distribute your cash around um, and so on and so forth. Um, very important. I take the temperature of an auction when I get to it. If I see that prices are going ridiculously high, you know, the inclination for most people is to say, oh, well, that's the price of people. You got to pay up to get people. It's actually the opposite. The higher uh, values go above what the projections are, the more you should stay away. Because then the whole middle that we're talking about between 17 and $23 that will come to you. I mean, I think I bought about nine players between 17 and $21 and just accrued bang, 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 that whole middle. Um, if the temperature is very cold and people are going at value, you really need to push very aggressively at the top and go for those 35 almost $40 players. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things... Like I had a general idea about this, but it was exactly what you said. Taking the temperature of the draft is kind of how I went into this. I wanted to get the first player. I bid on Vlad. I might have paid a dollar or two more, maybe a couple more. But then in, I don't know if you want to call it price enforcing, but playing in, I felt I got deals on my other two stud hitters in Bryce Harper and Shohei Otani. I just felt they went for much cheaper prices than I thought they would have gone for. And then I allocated my dollars to a couple starting pitchers. DeGrom I paid a tiny bit more for. I think I got a deal on Wheeler. Um, there was some injury stuff out there. That, yeah, there was some stuff out there that I think had people a little bit scared. I felt really good about that. And then I jumped in the closer pool. I paid a little bit more for Class A than I wanted, but then I think I got a deal on Trinan. And then that's how I pieced it together. Plus, I mean, I got like Freddie Peralta at a deal. So as much as I played studs and scrubs, it was stud hitters. And then I felt like I got a lot of pitching deals. And because it was at 12 man, yeah, it's not like the best thing on the planet to be rostering, you know, as your second baseman, Josh Rojas, but I was able to do it. You know, I got two closers and it's a smart way you said that of uh, feeling the temperature out. You want to have a plan. You want to know what you were going for. And I knew that there was going to be about five or six of you guys, especially you, that were going to be playing in that, as you said, 17 to $23 range. And I thought I would take the temperature and see what type of deals I could get on studs and scrubs. And I felt in my mind, it worked out in my favor where I don't think it would have last year, like you said, because prices were, I don't know why, prices felt like they were nuts last year compared to this year. 
I think they were even more nuts this year. But oh, uh, you think I, they were even nuts? Yes, more. Uh, yes, they were. And and uh, I think he did a great job at that because I saw like the Otani deal was great. Degrom was not so bad. Wheeler was a good price. You mentioned Classe was a good price for a closer. So I think you did a very good job of not paying that much more for your stars, avoiding the whole middle where everybody else is. And I think you did really good for yourself. I just want to remind, uh, and we don't talk about points leagues that much on this show, but for people who do points, the tilt is more towards pitching in a head-to-head. Yeah. Points league because uh, they especially where innings matter and in this format innings matter innings are three points each so in points leagues you really want to tilt towards innings pitchers who will pitch a lot uh, uh, ace uh, near ace uh, number two number three starters you need more of those than you would uh, if the if your regular hitting pitching split is 70 30 you want to go 60 40 hitting in this one and we had also, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but in one of those, in, in like as you're adjusting in one of the ways you te- check that temperature as you're going with these drafts, one of the things we saw happen as well was Jeff Ponce uh, over at uh, Baseball America. He went heavy pitching early, like heavy cost price. I don't know exactly when the picks were, but I feel like it was in the first 30 minutes. He had four of the top pitchers. He had, he had, I mean, it was Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns. He had spent like 30, $40 on four pitchers and he built around that. So in a points format, he went heavy pitching. He kind of went stud pitcher hitting and then it just built everything else around it where he could. So it's really about, you know, could we have all lived in Ariel's territory? Probably not. And that's why, you know, hopefully you can find your spot and take advantage to play different spots in these auction drafts or otherwise, I mean, Hey, you could all just, you know, play in that middle ground and Ariel will not be pushed around. And there's a couple other people that won't be pushed around and you'll get people that pay over prices. So, I mean, auctions are fun. I mean, the more that I'm talking about it, it's one of those things where it's like, after the fact, I had a lot of fun in it. It is definitely a grind. And I can't reiterate how much, uh, Ruben's poker analogy is fantastic because it really is like that. You really have to have the patience and you got to be comfortable not having a hand for over an hour and not losing your mind and going, screw it. I'm going in. I'm going to screw around. I'm going to have, I'm going to play eight, 10 off suit and let's see what happens. Like you have to have that type of patience. And Ariel, you mentioned taking the temperature of the room. There's always one or two people in the room who don't completely understand the format. And those are the people you try to, I mean, I hate to say it, but you're supposed to take advantage of them. And there are some people who, if you just don't know the format, you could throw out a guy and they can overpay for this preferred player. And they don't even, they don't even know that they're doing something wrong. They think they're getting a good deal on that player. And that's also, besides taking the temperature of the room, knowing the rules is just so important. Yeah. And I put out Mondesi in the second round to see if anybody would bite and they sure did. And, you know, I have, I had (laughs) Mondesi worth about $3 and somebody paid 13. Um, Oh, is it 13? I was about to say it was eight. When you put, when you put it out, I was just like, I'm like, nope. I'm like, this is Ariel (laughs) just trying to get people to pay up. And I could see some of those points. And now, and that's obviously it's a fantastic strategy. And for the most part, I think that's a common strategy, but it's great for yours specifically is you should, you should, and did spend that entire first hour throwing out guys you have no interest in and make people get their dollars off the board. And it's the opposite of what I usually do. I usually put out players that I do want, but the room was so hot that I'm like, forget it. I'm not going to buy a player now. Why am I nominating anybody I think I'm going to get? I nominated somebody I didn't. Now, you mentioned, by the way, uh, Jeff Ponce. Uh, he he spent um, 37% on hitting and the other 70 on, yeah, on pitching. Exactly, um, exactly. I actually don't agree with that strategy because I was going to say that, uh, you know, it is tilted towards starting pitching, but it's also quantity over quality in this league. And I think he just put a little too many of the elites um, and his quality is pr- his quantity is low because 
you know, he only has the upper ace, and he has no offense to carry him on a week-to-week basis, meaning his results will be highly variable. If he has a couple of good weeks from his starters, he's he's great, but he doesn't have enough hitting points in order to carry him on a bad week. So that's, that's Yeah, like there's three prospects, that. like Torkelson, Riley Green, and Jeremy Payne. Yeah, he was going for some dart. Those, the, the pitchers he got, by the way, for anybody wondering, he got Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer, and Lucas Giolito. Those were his first four auction buys, and I was trying to be cognizant of that. You know, as I saw, it was like, okay, I, I want pitching, but the big money is going there. He was being hyper-aggressive, and I, I would be curious. I mean, we didn't talk about this before, so I don't know if you could pull it offhand. I'd be really curious at the guys that you thought were the hot guys. Who were the guys that were being overpaid for? I'd love to know a couple of those names if you had them off the top of your head, but I felt like I couldn't compete in guys like Cole and Scherzer, so that was why, you know, to your point, it, it, it leans to pitching, but I went three hitters, and then I didn't, when I got um, Vlad, Harper, I got them early, then I got Otani, I got Otani for like 20-something bucks, and then I sat back and I went pitching probably for the next hour and a half, maybe two, and I put my focus on where I got, you know, DeGrom Wheeler, I was also able to get Kershaw and Peralta, which made me pretty happy with two good closers, it was just pivoting off of knowing your middle, and then obviously we had a guy that was going to take all of the good pitchers in Jeff. Yeah, well, in terms of who's who's hot, just to mention, like Bo Bichette uh, went for thirty four. Trey Turner went for forty, which sounds like steals from a roto perspective, but it's not true. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about steal steals don't really matter in these points leagues, and it's not because th- they don't accumulate points. They do accumulate points for steals, but it's it's not a category league. You don't have to roster a single steal. There's no advantage it. to it. There's no advantage. If like if they if they get them, if they get them, it's good. But there's no advantage to get the stolen base guys in that they are going to add to those. Like Miles Straw has really no value in these type of leagues when he doesn't do anything else. So yeah, I, I mean it, it's about what usually when you're talking about uh, roto leagues, it's talking about roster construction. Well, if you don't get steals early, you don't have the availability of steals later. But the roster construction is much easier in this. You aren't talking about categories. You don't need steals. You just need points. And so because you don't need the steals, you don't have to pay a premium for the steals. You just pay what the value is. So that's one thing about— you know, it's super interesting. I'd love to—I think you maybe already kind of alluded to this, but, like, I feel like a lot of people spend time talking about, you know, uh, Roto and versus head-to-head, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a points guy, and it's kind of exactly what you said. I The devalue of the—it's pl- not a total devalue of the player, but it, it does devalue some of the strategy of a player, where I know there are some, especially like old-school fantasy guys, that like points is the only true format to them. And, it's, and I feel like head-to-head and Roto kind of get like clashed together, but I feel like the real true battle is points versus category leagues and i'm just not a points guy overall i do them i do a couple points every single year i do one uh on the cbs with scott white and then now i'm doing tout but head-to-head in categories i love the strategy i like the gamesmanship and the play of you know building my categories instead of just building straight points what what was curious though during the course of the of the auction is that i noticed I was, I was listening to it, watching it, and keeping track of what Ariel was doing the whole time. And every player who changed teams in the offseason, in like in the last couple of weeks, they went for more than what our values were. And I was keeping track of it. I was watching the values. Trevor Story went for more. 
Um, and, and he had just signed, I think, a couple of days before, or they, or they knew that he was going to sign a couple of days ago. Um, Nick Castellanos went for a little bit more than he would normally go. It just, it just seemed that those are, because they're the hot names in the, in the market and people are talking about them, they just happen to go for more than what their normal values are. Yeah, I went. I was actually wanted. I wanted Chris Bryant. I love the destination, obviously, and I kind of had a dollar number on him, and he blew past it. And I was texting Spore, and I was like, "Oh, Spore, I'm like, you got him." And Spore was like, "Oh, I really like the price I got him at." And I was like, "Well, I'm like, I don't, I don't. I thought he went for maybe a little bit more where we were, but I suppose if you had money, it would have been a good price." But me and Spore were kind of. I don't know. We, we were the poor guys in the draft on later on. So yeah, it's a great point. All of those guys did absolutely go for more and any risk whatsoever. Everyone was very timid about and didn't want to pay the prices. That was why like the Wheeler one uh, ended up being a value. I, Christian Yelich, not a great value was one I got. I thought I got him kind of cheap. It was actually me price enforcing like a little bit, but I was happy ish to get him where he did. I think Bellinger went for like eight more dollars than him, which I thought was wild, but you know, risks and craziness. And there was, there was, it was a, it was a pretty wild four hours of, uh, of drafting and uh, insanity. As far as free agents, by the way, until people sign with teams, usually, and this is not a, this year, usually the prices are deflated. So they're decent buying opportunities because you don't know where they're going to end up. And of course, once they buy, the price just goes up. You know, anytime you have any news, oh, players out, oh, players back in, you know, you have that. DeGrom, of course, is going to go. He already, uh, in the main event of the NFBC, he went number six in the very first draft. I mean, you know, once we saw that he's hitting, uh, oh my God, he's hitting 99. He looks sharp as ever. Well, you know, he's (laughs) He's already in the, up in the uh, upper first round. I love. I mean, I think I paid. I mean, he's way more risky, but gosh, I think I paid twelve dollars less than Garrett Cole for Degrom. Maybe. Yeah, you paid thirty four, but the week before I played in labor, we got him for twenty two. Oh. So you know, oh, the, what a, what a good bargain, right? And what would he go for now? What would he go for now? Forty probably. Oh, more. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then, and the New York mandate now is gone for for the vaccine thing. I, I know that Ariel was a little bit hesitant getting Aaron Judge because. We don't know if he's going to miss half his games, and too. they just changed it. And now this week, for when everyone's people drafting now, this week in Vegas, next week in New York City for the NFBC, I think all the prices are just back to where they would normally be. That, that you know, that's that's a good one too. Like I actually really wanted Judge, but I completely talked myself off. I'd already had. I think this was after I got Otani. I could, I could be incorrect about it. But, like, I really did want him, but I couldn't get into the, And he didn't even go for an insane price, but uh, I, I strayed away because of that in this format, like a points weekly format. I, I did shy away. I have Judge in almost every single league other than this one, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, now, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, strategy in terms of drafting. So switching from points to Roto right now, um, we're about to do a mock draft. Um, but what is your general draft strategy, if you have one, Chris? And um, you know, to, to add to that in terms of general, uh, what we usually see in the past, past couple of years is that saves, steals, and starters have been pushed up. And just wanted to get what your take on that is. What is the right time to push them and your general strategy? Um, I have definitely pushed more saves this year. I've liked some of the roster construction. I think it's rough. I've always kind of pushed back against paying really, really heavy prices on closers. But 
you know, there's been so many question marks, especially early on in drafts. And this is what kind of changed for me. There was so much volatility with the unknown during the lockout and doing all these mock drafts that you kind of put yourself in a situation where you're like, well, I'm just going to take one of those top or maybe two of the guys that we know that have gigs that have really liked the team construction and how I've done it. Cause there's a really good, a lot of good value in pitching late that I've pushed saves up. I think more than uh, many other years, if you do a, uh, a fantasy pros mock draft, you're going to notice, I will probably like your draft. If you take saves relatively early, that's what's been happening. Uh, piece of P and I joke about that. Uh, steals, I don't know if I'm overtly pushy on it. I, I don't want to overpay because I think a lot of the players that you should be targeting in the top end are already getting those steals. I've got some balanced players that are homers and steals later that I think can put it all together. I'm more than likely going to have a solid stolen base guy in the first and second round already that are going to kind of be my core. And then guys like Ahmed Rosario and Andrew Benintendi a little bit later, I want... And I'm kind of fluid with starters. I sometimes I don't I'm not pocket aces. I like to maybe get one in the first four rounds. If I don't, I'm still not even too too worried, and I will start targeting you know maybe more constant guys like a Joe Musgrove if I have to have them as a stud. But uh, more recent drafts, it's been like guys like G- Giolito and Musgrove. So I don't want to I don't want to punt. I want to piece it all together, and I think if I'm paying for one thing more than I am any of the others, if we're talking the three S's here, saves, steals, and starters, it's actually saves this year. Because uh, not only the volatility, but you've got a lot of uh, rotational things. You know, the Cardinals have said they weren't sold on Gallegos, though it's hard when you're going to open up with Jordan Hicks and Alex Reyes is hurt, so I think you're going to be stuck with him. But there's so many teams that don't seem to want to have a full commitment, and there's teams that look like they're going to have a closer and a leverage guy. Like a perfect example might be the Giants, where Camilo Duvall looks like he should be the closer, but he might be more the leverage guy. When that And that means like he could close one game in the ninth, but then he could come in the seventh in another game. Same thing could happen with Garrett Whitlock if he wasn't to break a rotation. So uh, all I'm saying is there's a lot more question marks on the back end of closers that I don't find it as fun to try to gamble on that, that I would rather you know, get me one of Class A, get me one of Iglesias, give me one of those stud guys to round out and not try to miss any categories. Yeah, the general rule, I think, for draft strategy is pick the player that A, has the most value, but B, makes it easier for you to make decisions later on. Great if, point. If there are, yep, if there's scarcity in positions or scarcity in uh, statistics, pick the guy that gives you the more the most flexibility later on. Oh, in the fifth round, well, now i got more choices because I already have my base of steals. I already have my closer. Right? The more you wait on some things, the more forced you are to, well, I need this guy now. You want to avoid that. That's the general rule. Uh, Ruvain, uh, KDS, we talked a little bit about this in the season, but um, KDS is, of course, where you choose your draft slot. What is your, what is your optimal draft slot to pick from? Between six and nine, that's the, I think that's the most op- optimal. That's the sweet spot because you can get a feel of the entire draft. You can get a feel of what's going on in the room. You'll probably be in the middle or close to the most most of the runs. You'll know what you need. You have time to think about it. You don't have to reach for people like if you're on the wheel. Um, you don't have to you know stretch for these people, and you can get the most value. I think you can get when you're in the middle there. You can get the most value, and you can shape your team from the very beginning. Example, in TGFBI, I had number six, and that's what I wanted, and I got the first pick. I got number six. I got Garrett Cole. Great. I got this, came right back down, back to me, and I saw that a lot of pitchers weren't going, so I'm saying to myself, there's still some value there. So I actually went 
pocket aces and i had this whole discussion with you what am i going to do how am i going to construct my team with pocket aces but i knew that being in the middle being at six i'm still going to get value when it comes back to with the hitters which is exactly what happened which is why you're it's easier to construct a team even with pocket aces if you're between let's say six and nine what about you chris uh, I mean, I hate it. <laughs> I was talking about my TGFBI team. I hate uh, my TGFBI team. It's probably the team I'm going to hate the most, by the way. Uh, and I think I had three in that one. Uh, just I went in. I have the most insane, beautiful outfield, but things did not come to me how I wanted. And it was probably one of my poor drafts. But uh, from a KDS perspective, yeah, I think five or six is a really, really good spot right now. Part of that, and it might be me alone here, uh, especially... Ari, I imagine you're not going to like this one, but uh, because I'm a little, I can get a little bit more risky. Is I really like Acuna in that spot. Um, the idea of him missing two weeks is not ideal, but the set date of the 21st for him to DH, that, you know, the advent of the DH is like a huge bonus for him to get his bat back in the lineup. That you, I think you have an option for a guy like that. I mean, even your projections have wild numbers on him, and that's missing like 40 games. And it, theoretically doesn't look like he could even miss that many games with the DH now and them talking about him coming back. But I like that five or six spot because I think things fall to you in a really fun way, whether it is, hey, I want to go with a Garrett Cole, I want to go with the top pitcher, or you know, there's a contingency of people that don't really love Vlad, even though he's a four-category monster. Vlad could fall to you. Maybe the heavens will rain down on you a beautiful Jose Ramirez. Five or six has a lot of great opportunities. And it's actually a really interesting point Ravane was talking about where, like, at that middle range, you really do set yourself up for kind of a value spot where the both wheel sides, I think people like the wheel because it's a control spot, but you do have to be comfortable. I think the mindset on that is you've got to be comfortable to, to not be, like, stuck to... Uh, ADP or value or, oh man, should I take this guy here? Like if you are comfortable, like I'm going to get my guy, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to double tap closers. I'm going to double tap pitching. That's a spot for you, but it's not really a value spot because people start to get worried when they've got five or six picks there, but that five or six range really does feel like, yeah, some things can kind of fall your way. So five, six, seven, right in that range. I think that's kind of a really good sweet spot for KDS. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on almost everything you said. Uh, you know, if you're in the middle, you, uh, of course, don't get sniped by the closer runs or the, the, the whatever run you're in, pitching run, because you're in the middle. You, When it comes to your turn, you get to see what has transpired. You get an information pass. You make a, a decision, and then it goes and it comes back, and you get another decision. Uh, another piece of information, you make a decision. If you're at the wheel then you only get one bit of information and you get have to make two decisions. So there's an information gap. And yeah, every time you lose a half round, like if you have to pick, make a pick on the wheel, you, you might have been able to get that same guy half a round later. So you lose that extra half a round of value the whole way down. It's not just the first round. This comes through to you the entire draft. So you're losing value after value. Uh, but it is better to be uh, a little bit earlier in the first round than a little bit later in the second round. There are some very, very good values a little bit earlier than later. So for that I agree with you. And by the way, I have no problem with Acuna. I don't think he's that risky because he's coming back. I don't have any performance issues. And the injury issue is pretty comebackable. And, you know, the season starting a week later, that helps him also. I, I have no problem with, with Acuna this year. Um, last question before we go to the actual mock draft is, uh, well, I'll, I'll ask a two and one. 
when is it time, you think, for you to really ignore some value and go for your either favorites or targets or upside players? And since you're a prospect guy, what are your thoughts in general about drafting prospects in redraft leagues? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to almost blanket tell you, like, there's any time is the right time to go and get your favorites uh, for players if it makes sense. But obviously, you want to have the correct context for that. I think that starts to happen. I would actually clump favorites and targets together, maybe more than the upside players. And I might say favorites and targets probably start to click in post I don't know, five or six, five or fifth or sixth round or something like that. I mean, I'm very much like best available player early on. You know, you can build around the core that you're trying to put together. So maybe, you know, past the fifth or sixth round, you start to start paying attention to those favorites and targets. And, you know, if they've got to go around earlier, that's okay. Upside players, at least in my brain, how you say that, tends to kind of be a little bit later in the draft where it's like, do I want to take this? Do I want to take Michael Brantley, the steady Eddie, or do I want to go upside on Joe Adele? You know, which decision do I want to try to make? And so that, so that's probably like post 12th round, 10th round, something like that. And then as far as prospects go, the irony uh, as a prospect person, I'm not super big into prospects in redraft leagues. I think what happens, and I see it so much, and it's very NFBC-centric, though, is that very early on, the big you know, 50-man rosters and stuff like that, you get people that get hyper-focused, industry guys that get hyper-focused on maybe a guy that they're going to get later in the year. So people start talking about all of these prospects. And it, it spills over into the redraft for, for just the normal person that's playing. I'm not saying you're not normal if you don't play NFBC, but like... A lot of people listening might just play 12-man leagues. It's okay to play a 12-man league and not have a 15-man draft champions league that's got $150 on the line. Each person, blah, blah, blah. You could play like normal leagues. And the prospects start to spill in there, and then people are like, oh, man, you know, should I take Bobby Witt at 50? Should I take Julio Rodriguez inside the top 200? What if he comes up? What about the pitching prospect? Who are the best ones? For the most part, in a standard 12-man league, you probably shouldn't take any prospects. Um, Bobby Witt is the exception this year. I believe he will break camp. It's almost without question to me. Um, but I saw people early on taking like Julio Rodriguez inside the top 200 and I would chastise it. I'm like, this is crazy. Now he does have, I legitimately has a chance to break camp now as things have gone on. But the the swings in prospects, the return in prospects in the first year, it's pretty minimal, especially when you pay high costs. They're better waiver wire fodder than anything else. So where everyone's like, oh man, got to get the prospects. Who should I draft? I'd say pass and play the waiver wire. You know, if... You have a draft now, and you can get off the waiver wire Nick Lodolo, who might break camp with the Reds. That's really good. Or play into the second week and start saving. Why don't you draft a really good team of, of constant players so you can save your fab and you can drop it on a couple stud prospects that come up between May and June. That's how I'd rather do it. The only two that I have major interest in this year are Bobby Witt. Uh, because I think he's going to push 2020. And I don't think it's an insane cost, but I wouldn't pay for him over a lot of the other shortstops. And I do think Spencer Torkelson is a guy that is going to break camp. But again, he's a guy that's like post 200, maybe 250s or something like that. And that would be one I would be willing to bet on as well. But for the most part, I'm against drafting um, because everybody overdrafts the prospects. And I don't like doing that. Ruvain, I think the only time you and I have ever drafted a prospect in a very deep league was Trey Turner when he first came up, and I think that won us the league. But that is the exception, not the rule. I almost never draft a single prospect because they're almost going to assuredly bust. 
What's your take? Well, I, I don't necessarily think they're going to bust. I mean, you have to see what their playing time is going to be because a lot of these guys in, in prior years, they're going to start the year in the minors. If they start the year in the minors, you're not getting any value out of that spot and you're losing money, using value from that spot if you pick them too early. What I, what The one prospect who I think is going to have good value this year because I know he's going to have playing time is O'Neill Cruz. He, he only had a cup of coffee at the end of last year, but there's no one else on that team. He's going to play. He's going to break camp with the team and you know he's going to get playing time. So if you, so, you know, if you're willing to spend on him and not overspend, that's actually, again, I'm going to mention TGFBI. He's the one guy I actually reached for. I reached for him in the 14th round. So I waited until that. Now, I'm talking about targets. I try to target relievers. I try, try to target closers. And I have a basic idea using using the, uh, the um, knowing exactly where they're going to go in the draft. And I'd say, you know what? Okay, I want to get a closer. I don't like paying for saves and that too much for saves. I don't like the top guys. In the, I was paying for a seventh round. I was, I was planning a seventh round closer. I was planning a tenth or eleventh round closer, and those are actually my targets. So I'm not actually actually target main guys, but closers I'm going to target. I, I I feel that that's the best way to go because I'm I'm targeting the guys who have safe set roles, even if they're not the top tier. So I'm a little bit different than you, Chris. I I don't like going for the top guys and having that you know stability there. But a guy like Jordan Romano who falls sometimes to the sixth or seventh round. I can get so much more value in the first five rounds getting other players and just letting Jordan Romano come to me. He's got great stuff. There's no one else on the team right now to close. And he's, you know, he is, he is the guy. So I have no issue doing something like that. But then you can say, all right, yeah, you can do the same thing with Aroldis Chapman, who's going maybe a round earlier or a round and a half earlier. They just announced, um, Aaron Boone just said that uh, Aroldis Chapman is going to be pitching in the eighth inning sometimes now. Not in a regular game, I, and and I don't think I want that. So, you know, closers are very fickle. Um, it's I think closers are more quantity over quality, and especially if they're if I think those are the ones you have to target. Just get a lot of just a lot, a lot of darts for closers and for the and for the prospects. If you know they have a short playing time coming out of spring training, grab them. Um, just about O'Neill Cruz, I heard recently that he may not actually break camp. Probably will come up really soon, but I heard he's going to be in the minors to work on his defense for possibly paying outfield, if you've heard that before. So I don't know that he's actually going to be up. Actually, the prospect, you mentioned Torkelson. I think I'm more interested in Riley Green than Torkelson. Love Riley. Riley Um, might be a better overall prospect. Um, It's just I I, I don't believe he breaks camp. But I think he's a better fantasy asset when where's Tor- where's Torkelson gonna play with Miguel first. Cabrera and Candelario first, there? First oh Miggy Miggy's already said it. Actually Miggy publicly Is he said de-aging? Yeah, Miggy publicly said he wants Torkelson in the starting lineup and oh, he will okay. gladly DH. And that was one thing that really jumped out to me. And if you've looked at it in spring, that is exactly what they've been doing. Whenever they have the main lineup okay. out there, okay. Torque is in the lineup. All right. So there you go. Uh there you have it. Our prospect guru here. Chris Welsh with the tip on Torkelson. Um, All right. When we come back, we'll set up the mock draft and we'll do it. Uh, We'll be back here in a second on the Beat the Shift podcast. All right. We're back on the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. On to our mock draft portion of this episode. To set it up, we put a poll up on Twitter as to what are your favorite uh, scoring and favorite um, aspects to, to put in rules to put in league. So what we have here is we have a pretty standard Roto, but with an OBP format. We are OBP format today. Um, so there you go. Uh, we will have only one catcher. Um, we'll have one utility. 
So not a two-catcher league. Five outfielders, though, so it's deep in the outfield that will come to play. Pitchers, four starters, two relievers, two any. So a little bit of a control on the number of pitchers there. Uh, we're also going to do one bench spot, um, you know, just to have uh, any. So it's not that deep in the bench. We won't go all that many rounds after that. Uh, there's going to be a corner and a middle, so pretty much a standard roto roster with one catcher and a little bit of limit on the pitching. All right, so uh, we have come to this, and we're going to be using the Fantasy Pros. Uh, the Fantasy Pros um, software here that uh, you Welsh are familiar with. The and Draft what, Wizard. The Draft Wizard, and there we go. So uh, what we'll do is we have uh, the draft order. There's a 12-team draft. I'm actually number one. They oh. randomly assigned me to number one, which I don't like, but, hey, that's what we'll do. Uh, Ruvain is pick number seven, and immediately after that is Welsh Boom. at number eight. So you'll snipe each other, I'm sure, the whole time and stay away from me. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with the first pick, um, I am going to go with uh, Trey Turner. I think it's pretty uh, – now, you could argue Juan Soto, uh, but, again, I like to get the categories here. I think Trey Turner is a stud in almost every single category. He'll have plenty of homers. Plenty of runs. That Dodger lineup is enormous. So I'm just going to go Trey Turner right there, number one. Uh, after that, Soto, Garrett Cole was picked. Burns, Vlad Guerrero, wow. Jose Ramirez. Ruvain, you're on the clock. Well, that's, this is kind of easy. In an OBP league, the next guy on the board for me has to be Bryce Harper. I mean, he gets on base a ridiculous amount. It's in a better lineup now. It's a, this is just a no-brainer here. I mean... You could go Boba Shed if you want to, but his OVP is not that great. You want to go Trout? I guess you can. But, uh, I mean, Bryce Harper just has is a monster, and he can have an MVP year any year. So that's very simple, so that's who I'm going to take. It's interesting, too. Um, one of the things I, I feel like you kind of did, Ariel, is something that I've been talking about that, like, I do think when you do an OPP league, it gets a little inflated sometimes. People get very, very hyper-focused. They're like, oh, my God, I got to get all the OBP guys. And it's like, well, you know, at the respect of, like, here's a perfect example of this. Great OBP guy Mike Trout is. But at the behest of me not getting all those homers and stolen bases for a guy, let's say, Ronald Acuna, I just don't see the value in going crazy about OBP. I'll try to pick it up a little bit later. Yeah, and you know what? I, I passed on Juan Soto, um, and I did yeah, that that's because— the point, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's roster construction, and uh, maybe that was the wrong decision. But uh, hey, that's uh, that's uh, it'll be easier for me to find steals. Uh, I, I don't have to find steals. It'll be easier for me to construct my roster later. And you know, Trey Turner is no slouch here, so I'm not giving up uh, a hell of a lot. Uh, who did you take with your pick here? I took Acuna. I'm, I mean, I'm following in with what I said. Okay. You know, power speed combo. Um, it works in his favor. I've got him right around a top five player, and I got him at eight. It's a good value. Obviously, kind of like Ravain said, like I could have taken Trout. That would have made a lot of sense, and that would have been probably a solid pick. Bichette was still out there, but um, I like the advantage I get with Ronald Acuna, and that's what it did. And both are out, along with Freeman and Otani and Trout, Bueller, uh, Betts, Kyle Tucker, Byron Buxton. Wow. Uh, Welsh, you're back up again. Wow, Buxton went in the second round? <laughs> Ooh, I must be screwing with the system or something like that for that to happen. Well, um, you know what? We're kind of in another. This is another one of those situations where, oh, this one. I got two guys that I'm staring at, and I'm gonna do this and completely ignoring the OBP side of it. I just think this is a great value right here. I'm gonna take Ozzy Albies. 
uh, get my second base spot, get a couple Braves here, stolen bases, homers, focused on all those categories, try to pick up a little bit of OBP later, but I was staring at Jacob deGrom and Rafael Devers both, but deGrom was the one I was staring at, but uh, decided to take that position player. Move Thank in your you. next. Thank yeah. you so much because my next pick <laughs> is going to be Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how can you not? He's, he's looked electric. Even if he pitches 140 innings, our value for him is still through the roof. He could be the best pitcher in baseball this year just pitching 160 innings. So there's no question in my mind he is an easy. I was looking at Rafael Devers actually also. And Ariel, I think if he falls to you, you will probably take him because he's probably he's high up on our value as well. But for me, it's it's very simple. It's Jacob DeGrom. Okay, to Grum it is, and let's see who the next people pick. It is Luis Robert Scherzer Devers. You're right. Went Woodruff Starling Marte goes to me. Uh, we talked about him a little bit before. Aaron Judge. I told you it's a very deep outfield here with five outfielders. Um, he that guy walks quite a bit. He's a close to forty home run guy, hundred RBI guy, OBP projected very very high. Uh, I have him projected for an OBP of near 370. I think Aaron Judge is very clearly the guy, and I'm going with him. Um, my next pick, I'm back-to-back here, so right around here. Uh, I could go with, with a pitcher. I don't love any of the pitchers on the board right now. There is a, an OBP stud on the board still in Matt Olson. The only question is, do I take him? Uh, because there's a lot of good first basemen below but to me, I have his value so much further over a lot of the others. I'm going to go with Matt Olson. So, again, I usually like to go with the categories. Uh, I usually like to go with the uh, ability to help myself later. But Olson, I have such a high value. Another 40 homer, 100 RBI, 365 OBP, and even still in a good lineup, I'm going Matt Olson here. Next couple of picks are Robbie Ray, Manny Machado, Zach Wheeler, Shane Bieber, Salvador Perez, to Ruvain. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm looking at, I'm going, we have ATC values here, and I'm, that's what I'm going to be going by. And I'm looking at my list here, and it happens to be in this OBP league, the next guy up there, I have an option of two people. I have Jordan Alvarez and actually Pete Alonso, because Pete Alonso is pretty high in this list. Jordan Alvarez qualifies at in the outfield, I think he qualifies in the outfield here. In this draft, which he is, does. Which is which is good, but I think that I, you know, the Matt Olson thing that you mentioned about, I, I that's I I kind of sort of need that. I I think I'm going to need a first baseman, and I think after Pete Alonso, there is a little bit of a drop, uh, and and that's what you have to look for when you're trying to draft somebody. Look at the player that you're staring at, and look who's going to be available for you in that position. Later on, you check that for all the positions and you'll be able to know whether or not it's worth it to take it because if you don't take, let's say you don't take Pete Alonzo here, I may end up taking uh, Josh Bell or, or end, up, end up with Reese Hoskins, which is not the end of the world, but I like Pete Alonzo. I think I have him on almost all my teams anyway, so I'm, my pick is going to be Pete Alonzo. All right. And I got to say, Ruvain, uh, like uh, I did for DeGrom, I say thank you very much because I will take uh, Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez. I'm very yeah. happy that you did that one. Uh, but it's a great pick, and I agree with everything you guys say there. Jordan Alvarez, good OBP guy, big power, uh, adding to the big outfield we've got to pair together. I also would have said, not that he would have lasted, but I would have loved to swoop up Matt Olson and just take the all-Braves team like I've apparently been doing recently. Um, so I love I love both of the picks there, but Jordan is a pretty, uh, pretty easy one for me. 
All right, going next after Alvarez, Julio Urias, Wander Franco, Teoscar Hernandez, Austin Riley, Giolito, Aaron Nola, Nolan Arenado, Cedric Mullins, and now back to you, Welsh. Ooh, I sure wanted Giolito. And now I don't love the tier of pitchers that are left. And this makes me want to pivot a little bit. And I'm... I'm almost doing exactly what I did in another mock draft here, and I'm trying to avoid it. Uh, I, I one time did Albies and Whit Merrifield to really dominate in stolen bases, but they're both not great OBP guys. So it's something I'm a little bit cognizant of in this, where it's like, ugh, you know, adding him to get those stolen bases, it's not a necessity because I've got Albies and I've got uh, Acuna already with one big power bat. I hate moving on the pitching, but you know what I think I'm going to do? And I'm going to cross my fingers that some stuff happens in these next couple rounds. I'm going to follow the trend that you guys did because we're about to take a big old teardrop off of first baseman. And I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, a lot good of power, choice. good OBP. It's going to kind of build out that offense. And I just don't want to fall behind because I love what you guys both did. So I'm going to follow suit. Good choice. Ruby? I, I think that's that's I may have even taken him again. If 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 there was a corner spot, I probably would have taken him because just I go I'm a very big value drafter and I go strictly by the numbers. I'm not you know, I'm not really I try not to have the name of the player influence me who, who I'm picking. And after saying that, I think I'm gonna go with George Springer here. We actually Love. have him I'm looking at, at the at the at the rankings here. He's actually the highest guy value-wise on the board. He's an outfielder as long as he stays healthy, but you can't pick somebody thinking that they're going to get hurt. You're thinking you're going to pick them based on what your stats are and what you think is going to happen. So I'm going to take George Springer here. All right. The next couple of picks in between. We have Marcus Semyon, Xander Bogarts, Whit Merrifield, Tim Anderson, Josh Hader. I was actually looking at this next guy, Trevor Story, the whole time as my next pick. And by the way, Remember, we I passed up on, on Soto to start, but I got two. Instead, I took the stolen base guy, so I didn't have to worry about stolen bases, and I got two two big OBP guys right in a row. I think that makes up for the Soto, so I'm actually really happy. Uh, but this pick right here, Trevor Story, he's my next guy. I mean, he's got a tremendous OBP. Still a little bit of steals, so I'm still pounding the steals, but I'm still getting enough categories all the way across. Um, he's another one of those guys high up on the value list for me. Don't have a middle infield yet. So Trevor Story is going to be on my team. That was who I almost took over Goldie. It was Story and Goldie I was staring yeah. at. So that's a great pick. I was looking at it the whole time. Okay. Uh, now, uh, talking about picking our uh, – I, I have four hitters already. And I don't see a fantastic starting pitcher that I like. But scarcity here, you need two relief pitchers. And it's already the fifth round. And I think the value is quite up for Liam Hendricks here. Oh, come um, on. It's maybe, it's maybe a, I, don't, I don't even think it's a big drop. I have him as not passing up more than three or four players on the list. So I'm going to corner the first reliever, the first saves guy. Second. And, uh, second. Was, oh, Hater just went. Okay. So even, even a bigger reason to take Hendricks because I think there's a big drop from Hendricks to everybody else. So it's Hendricks for me from the drop, from the scarcity. Uh, very, very simple for me. So I would took have been Story and Hendricks. Yep. That's exactly. It would have been my pick, too. That's why I'm upset about okay, that. Okay, Lin yep. 
Lindor Alcantara, Rysel Iglesias. See, uh, by the way, the fact that Iglesias went right after means I super made the right pick, right? I'm, I'm happy when some, when they take a closer now. Gaussman and Lance Lynn just went two starters. Ruvain, it's up to you. See, now I'm starting to get a little worried because I don't have any steals on my team, and that's a li- I mean, Springer will still a little bit, Harper a little bit, but I'm getting a little nervous about that. I'm looking around. I really don't see many people with steals yet. So I'm getting a little nervous about that. So I'm not gonna not saying that I'm gonna punt steals at this point, but I don't think I'm gonna just pound it yet. I may just go later in the draft for that. Um, I'm looking around. I I guess I I need a I need an infielder. I don't have any middle infielders, and I see. Let's see. Simeon was taken already. Was he? Simeon. Let's yeah, see. he went a while ago. Yeah, he went a while ago. Oh boy. Okay. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna take the next saves guy because I'm I have a starter already. Wow. Um, I think I'm gonna chase saves just a little bit. Um, Iglesias went. Mm-hmm. And because Iglesias went, I think the next guy in, on the list is Classe. Is he still available? He is. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna take Emmanuel Classe here. Ugh. God, you okay. just Welsh, was that was that your pick? Rip my freaking heart out, both uh. of you guys. I almost <laughs> did it the last round. Because I thought I could get away with this. Agla- I have Iglesias over. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I have Class A over Iglesias right now. So that one tears me up. And by the way, you know, mention that they're all going together. I always talk about relative market premium. When Class A and Iglesias go right in the same round, and I'm only picking three picks over. The biggest relative market discount in this case was Hendricks. That's why I'm happy. Of course, if the those all those other guys drop to the seventh round, well, then my guy would be expensive. Sometimes hard to know in a draft whether you're going to have a premium or a discount, but uh, there you go. Yeah. I went with uh, Edwin Diaz, and if he lasts, I am going to double tap him. Yes, he did. I'm going to double tap him with Ryan Presley. So those are two quick picks here. Uh, I love the Jordan Romano one. Romano would probably be, he's in that same crew there, but you guys killed me uh, with both of those closers, Hendricks, Class A. I want to get two of them before I have a starting pitcher, and now I've got both my closers in the Astros, and I've got uh, the Mets closer. So, you know, win teams, probability out there, strikeouts. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it, though I would have liked Class A, but two closers locked in. Okay, so at, at this point, when, you, when your team starts the lacking steals, I, it, the, it's a good question. When do you start looking for steals if you don't have it? You're ready in the sixth round. Do you just wait? Chris, or do you try to attack? Still attack it? Do you try to spread it out? What do you really do here? I think there's still plenty of like balance. I I, th- I don't think there's a ton. I mean, there, there's one clear guy on the board right now, like Randy Rosarena. If you want to play the twenty stolen bases, and I think he's in relative value space. But I would. I mean, this is just me. I know some people would start to focus like, all right, I'm going to go get myself a Miles Straw, uh, you know, or, or, or God forbid, a, a Mondesi. I don't even know if he's winning. He's still out there. You could go with Mondesi, really, if you wanted. But I think there's still some really solid 10 to 15 stolen base guys that my priority would just be picking up four or five of those and picking and going through that space than trying to overreach. But I, again, I, I think a Rosarena is in that value spot right now, and that I would not be afraid to be taking him. I, I, I do agree with you on that. However, I am, again, I am a value guy, and I'm looking at the numbers. The top guy on the board is Brandon Lau, according to the ATC numbers right now. It's Brandon Lau, so I think I'm going to go with him. He gives you power. He'll, he'll give you a couple, a sprinkle of stolen bases, so it's not too bad, and I'll just have to address my stolen bases later in the draft. 
All right. Uh, I was actually looking at a different guy who I think really helps in an OBP league. And that is Joey Gallo in the God outfield. dang it. <laughs> Get out of here. Go away. Yeah, I was looking at him the whole round. And even though I don't have a pitcher yet, I, sixth round, I'm not going to pass up this fantastic bargain. Ugh. So Joey Gallo is mine. And because Great. I'm the next pick, well, I can go for another batter. I don't love any other batters here. Uh, and I do need a starting pitcher. I'm a big Max Freed guy. I think that he is just a solid guy to get stats. Right now, I'm looking for the quality. I'm looking for some quality, but I need some quantity. So I don't want to go too far without getting some kind of pitching reliability. I think he's reliable enough. So I'm going to go with Max Freed right now just to get something in the pitching, as I already have plenty of offense. I mean, I've got tons of power and steals already. All right. On to Ruvain. Tatis was just taken, by the way. I guess some of these uh, are based on some old rankings. But Mondesi went also and Musgrove Webb. Oh, Musgrove. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, you I, if you weren't going to take Max Freed, he was going to be my next guy. Um, yeah, I'm Oh, I'm by the way, just, just, just to stop you, sir, uh, I, I heard you sigh, Chris, on Musgrove. Should I have taken Musgrove over Freed? I mean, I'm a Musgrove Musgrove guy yeah. over Freed, uh, but I think they're the same tier, and that it, it's just about balance of. What I do you think like. though that the WHIP is a little bit more reliable on Freed, and I know you get more strikeouts out of Musgrove, but I always prefer early on to tilt a little bit towards the WHIP because I know I can make up strikeouts later on in the draft or later on the season, actually. So I like to tilt a little bit more in these instances. But I, 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 I one of my problems is I was just over at. Um, at Padres camp, if everyone doesn't know, I live in Arizona, so I've been out at these, and I got to see Clevenger and Musgrove throw some side sessions together, and just like standing 15 feet away from Musgrove as he's just pumping them in to Hosmer and Machado. It's just one of those things you're like, oh yeah, this guy is a physical presence. He's kind of the intimidator of that pitching staff as well, and uh, it probably pushes me a little bit. Okay, moving. Sorry. <laughs> Well, my next pick, I already did it. It's going to be Jonathan India. He's. I'm going to try to sprinkle in the stolen bases here. I'm, again, I'm going by value. I'm looking at the value. He's a top, another top middle infielder. I have two second basemen, which is fine. I, a lot of drafts, I tend to go with $1, either shortstop or middle infielder anyway. I'm going value, and that's what I'm going with. Okay, Welsh? I got to tell you, I... I'm shocked at what we're all doing and we're all going to be just swimming in the same pool here. Cause we're all not doing the pitcher thing right now, but there's just not great pitchers to choose. I mean, you got, free, no, there you got that tier and there's still not like when we talk about the value based drafting, I see a couple of hitters and I'm just like, I just exponentially like these guys better than me reaching for a hitter. So I just don't feel compelled, even though I know I need a, pitcher. So, but I mean, the, the only problem though, with doing that though, Chris, is that when you like, if you're talking in auction dollars, it comes to a point where if you don't get any pitcher, you're yeah. going to go way too far percentage hitters versus pitchers. And I can't, you and know? I can't let myself do that, but I, I've just got I've got two hitters on here that I'm staring at. Okay. That I think I'm going to jump on, and I'm going to jump on this one because I need a third baseman in the position. Bryant. Down. I'm going to take Chris Bryant. Yep. Yeah, I'm a Chris Bryant guy. Also. Colorado, yeah. solid OBP. He's just a solid OBP guy. And then uh, coming back, one of the ah, see, Charlie Morton went, and that just hurts me. Yeah. That was so the did. guy. And then one of my other hitters is still there. So you know what? Mocks are meant to experiment, and I completely agree with what you said. I can't do this for much longer, but I think there's still one really good value, uh, even though position flexibility is not his. I'm going to go with Giancarlo Stanton. 
And okay. I'm going to get the OBP with big power to keep padding those numbers. I've got my both my closers, which is good, but I've got lots of homers, lots of RBI, lots of run. Also, I've got some stolen bases in there, and OBP is not doing too shabby. So I think I'm doing okay on hitting, but I'm going to have so much work to piece together this pitching staff here. Moving. Okay, well, that's what I'm thinking. I have it down to two players right now, and if they both end up to me, I'll be happy. But for now, I'm going to take another middle infielder. I'm filling up a middle infielder here. I'm reaching a little bit because it's stolen bases. Javier Baez. He can go 20-20. He can steal more than that. He's the stolen bases. He solves one of my problems that I have already here in the eighth round. So I'm going to take him and hope that the pitcher that I have in my queue will not be taken by you, Ariel. <laughs> well, we'll find out very soon whether that's true or not. Okay, up to me. Uh, well, the hit, I was looking at Brian Reynolds. He just went. The pitcher I was looking at, and I really need a starting pitcher, is Carlos Rodon. Was that the guy? Yes, it is. He's in my queue. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Carlos Rodon. Uh, he's high up here, and, uh, I mean, the Giants believe in him. We had Brian Bannister, uh, pitching coach on the Giants, and uh, he, he sounded fantastic, and they know what they're doing. So I went with him, and suddenly I've got Freed and Rodon to start my rotation. So I, I like too that. Shabby. Not too shabby as well. All right, looking down here, I actually have Shane McClanahan uh, decently high up. No, no, not not high up enough uh, compared to some of the hitters. Okay, uh, good. Leave, leave the pitchers as long as I'm looking at another pitcher. Thank agreed. You. Go away. Now, my thing is when it comes back to me, I, th I uh, Chris, I think you're going with a pitcher, so... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow it down to two of the pitchers, and I hope that neither of them are gone while they're there, so we could talk about it a bit. Yeah, I mean it, it's a small pool that we're fishing at right now. Uh, though I would say like there's a couple unique guys, and then it's just gonna be a big old clump that we're gonna start drafting from. So I I told myself before the draft that it's a bad idea to uh, take a catcher in a one catcher league early. But it's an OBP league, and what's staring at me is Yasmani Grandal, who is phenomenal in OBP league. So that is an option. There's also big Joey Votto out there who's tremendous in OBP leagues. Yeah, I have a first baseman, though. Could wait on that. Um, anything other pressing? There's no really pressing needs I have, so I can I can really stall on that. Thinking about McClanahan, I'm thinking about him and just beefing that up. Um, hmm, is Manoa out there? Oh, Manoa's even better. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Alex. Manoa. I'm gonna go with Alec Manoa. I have not taken him in any draft yet, but he is one of the bigger pitching values on the board, and I'm just gonna go right with that. And actually, if anything, I'm light on pitching, and now I've got three excellent pitchers. So I went middle, 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 and I went Manoa. So pitcher, pitcher, on my turnaround with Radon Manoa. Wow. And I'm going pitcher here also. I'm I'm up now. A couple of the players that went, um, Chapman just went, Rendon, Cody Bellinger, uh, Framo Reyes. And the two pitchers that I was looking at, two of them, Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Rogers. Now, I think, Chris, you're going to take one or the – I think you're going to take Trevor Rogers. So I could snipe you here because I have him slightly above Be nice. Kershaw. <laughs> I, 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 he's, he's, I have him valued slightly above Kershaw, and Kershaw's always the injury risk. So sorry, but I think I will take Trevor Rogers. I do not blame the snipe here. Uh, you know who I put in this same – I've got kind of in the same group here, and I don't know where you guys feel about it, is Justin Verlander. Uh, the same thing going with – 
uh, Clayton Kershaw. I think they're in kind of that same space. I'm thinking I want to, but what a wild team I would have if I were to go Verlander and Kershaw coming back. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go Verlander. Um, I know there's right. obviously injury stuff in there, but you want to talk about, I mean, Kershaw exists the same thing where, you know, when these guys are pitching, it's kind of DeGrom-esque. When these guys are pitching, they're at the top of their game. You know, th this is like yeah. top 10 SP upside if he's out there. And I think that's the big question. So I'm going to go with Verlander. And then coming back, let's see what pitchers go. No pitcher went in there. So the question, because Ravain, you gave me your playbook, and I know you want Kershaw coming back. <laughs> but do I, t I, I think, I mean, I want Kershaw too. I want to battle you on Kershaw. I'm staring at McClanahan and Kershaw. The thing that holds me back on McClanahan is still the unleashing that the Rays are going to do. And I really think I need steady eddies and I'm going to go with Kershaw here. Yeah. 113. I got, I got the old man's old AARP uh, starting pitching staff so far. That's fine. Uh, listen, they're just because they're old. It doesn't mean they're not reliable. And these younger guys, you don't know if, if they're, how they're going to react to a shortened spring training. You don't know if they're more, some of these guys are more prone to injury. If they're younger, they throw harder. You're getting the stuff that you know what you're going to get. Now, Kershaw's a little bit different because he is coming off of injury, but you can say the same thing. You can say the same thing about Degrom. So you know, you can go either way. And now, Ariel, you gave me the idea. I mean, I was looking at the just looking at the catcher list here. Yasmani Grandal is just staring at me right now. And being this, uh, the way this, the rosters are constructed, I think Grandal fits best right now for me. So I'm going with him. Thanks for taking the guy I was about to take, but all right. <laughs> well, it's fair in a mock draft, I guess. Um, all right. I got two picks here. Bunch of closers, a uh, bunch of pitchers went, including Kenley Jansen. And I was looking at a closer here. There's not many really sure ones. Jordan Romano is still out there. And I'm gonna take him right now because I think he's a stud. So I'm you know what, go... Ariel? I, I I was gonna say I contemplated taking him as a third closer because mm. we have normal pitching spots in here. Right. I gave it a if he had come back to me, I would have taken him with the next pick, even though I've go. already got two. Because hey, listen, I put early investment in on closers. I'm gonna be piecemealing some pitching. Why not dominate the position? And it, it, it he's such a great value. It's a really good pick. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so now I'm staring at Joey Votto is probably the best guy on the board, although Austin Meadows is out there. Now, Austin Meadows is a little bit lower, but it's a more premium position because there's an outfielder, and there's a bunch of good first basemen left. So I think I'm going to go back to the well and get Austin Meadows, and now I have a nice third outfielder. So I'm going to go Austin Meadows right here. Gets me a little bit of everything also, and it lets me just – Hit. Again, I'm I'm taking people who now I can take anybody. I'm just taking the highest value on the board for the next turn. And I, I was just sniped by the computer. Joey Votto was going to yep. be my guy, ah, even sorry. though I was in the corner, and he went the pick right before me, which makes it a little bit more complicated for me. So I have to figure out exactly what I'm going to do here. Um, I I only have one outfielder, but I think right now the pool of outfielders at this point in round 11 are very. There a lot of the players are very similar, so I'm not really thrilled with what's going on there. Um, I'm probably, I'm, I'm looking at the starting pitchers here, and there's another guy, I mean, I'm a little bit high on him, he's had shoulder issues before, 
I think I'm going to go with Pablo Lopez because he's got a lot of upside. He can strike out a ton of people. He's got a pretty good whip when he's able to stay healthy. So I think I'm going to go another pitcher here and have DeGrom, Trevor Rogers, and Pablo Lopez, all NL East pitchers on my roster. Okay. Uh, that made it pretty easy for me. I am going to snap up Nathan Eovaldi here uh, for my old pitching staff. You know the over thirties. This is like it's like an old uh, an old person's community. Like you can only be over thirty to be in my rotation. Except oh, and then I got sniped. I was gonna take Gallon. I thought I could sneak Gallon coming back, and that did not happen. He was the second pick in the twelfth round. As I'm trying to piecemeal this rotation, so. We're going to go right back to the well of the old guys. We're going to go with a New York Met, and we're going to go with Chris Bassett. It's the most boring pitching staff I've ever put together. Uh, but Bassett and Eovaldi and Kershaw and Verlander. Those are my four pitchers currently. Okay, Vuvay. Now it's on to me, and um, I, I need an outfielder here. I, I'm looking at the outfield pool. It's getting. I, I don't want to get to the point where my third outfielder is pretty low down on the, my list here. And a guy who I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are even thinking about that much um, is Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna is ranked pretty I high. I just put on, him in my queue. On his, <laughs> there you go. He's, he's ranked pretty high. He's going to get playing time. When he plays, he gets on base. I, you know, in this type of league, I, I can't say no to that. Don't love any of the pitchers here. Um, I do have a hole in third base right now. Outfielders, I don't see anybody I love. I have my relief pitchers, so... Um, I'm going to address the third base situation first here. And uh, there's Josh Donaldson, and then there's Ryan McMahon somewhere there. Donaldson, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he'll be okay in New York, but I'm going to pick the guy who just got a $70 million, million contract, who, by the way, is second base, third base eligible too, so I can move people around, might help me later on. I'll go with Ryan McMahon, who gives me some power and might not sit as much as Josh Donaldson will. So that's McMahon. And um, I think I'm going to double-tap Colorado at first base and go – is CJ Crone on the board? Or, oh, he's just taken. Okay. So oh, I that's yeah. I, I had been staring at him too, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you're getting him? Yeah, he went right after Ozuna. Yeah, so I can't do that. That was going to be my pick. Um uh, I'm like anybody here. <laughs> yeah, there's not really many good players left. I, I agree. No, no. All right, maybe I just need some volume of starter, and let's see who the best one on board well, is. Why Why wouldn't you go for, for like another closer here? I mean, there's some still pretty good closers out there, and if you can't really find anything, why don't you look for a closer that has um, a job? Yeah, three closers, 12-team league this early. I, I think I, I can don't have to pay up for that. You're generally paying a premium for some closers. I already have two really good ones. I'm going to wait a little bit on that. Um, let's see. Uh, Pablo Lopez taken is Bassett. Eduardo Rodriguez is still there. I'm an Eduardo Rodriguez fan. Oh, was he taken also? Yeah, the, I he, just went, uh, he, he went right pick before, before your McMahon pick. Oh, God. Well, right. I tip my I tip my hand. I'm going closer my next pick. So I see that. All right. Uh, I don't really love this pick, but uh, no, actually, I don't love it at all. So I'm going to not take the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, usually I take a little bit. Uh, I do this a little bit. I have a little bit more time. But let's go with the hitting then, because uh, let's let's just take the best hitter on board. Um, there's Michael Conforto. I don't, I'm not really high on him anymore this year. He looks like a big value over here. Uh, you know what? 
Josh Donaldson was a high value on board, oh, and I do yeah. need a corner. So let's go with Donaldson. Let's go with that. What the hell? Uh, I had him near the top of my board. I like that. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Let's see here. I wanted a closer, and one of the closers I wanted was Blake Trinan. He went right before me, and Miles Stroh went right before me. By the way, guys, catcher, catchers, um, Wilson uh, Contreras uh, just went, so catcher pool is going to get very shallow very quickly. Um, just, just keep that in mind. But I think I'm going to go with – I'm torn between two closers. It's either going to be Corey Knable or Taylor Rogers. They're basically both – assured of having the job, Taylor Rogers may be traded in the middle of the season because if the Twins aren't that great, I know they just signed Carlos Correa, but if he may be traded, he, he's a lefty, he, he can be trade bait. Um, I think I'm going to go with Taylor Rogers though, because his numbers are better than Knable. Knable, um hasn't been a full-time closer for a while already, so I think I'm going to go with Taylor Rogers. I only have Class A right now, so I'm going to go with Rogers here. I'm going all closers here for the um, American League Central. Had you had try had you had trying had been there and you not taken him, I would have done that. So I liked I liked your logic in that. Uh, I'm gonna stick with pitching. We're in the one fifties here, and I'm also a Corey Knebel guy as well. And I'm gonna let's see if I can. What I'm doing is seeing what I can sneak by. I don't think I can sneak much by here. All right. Uh, this guy's listed as a relief pitcher on here. I think he's going to get serious innings. Uh, Nick Pollock has talked him up a whole bunch. I'm a very big fan. And uh, even though he's an RP, I might be able to manipulate a little bit. Like, let's say a closer goes down. I could put him in that spot. Michael Kopech at 152 for the strikeouts. And then if he makes it back, I'm going to tap pitching again. And let's see, Sonny Gray and Logan Gilbert. Oh, I couldn't have right in front of me. So I made it a little bit easier. Uh, I'm going to go with our industry darling, Patrick Sandoval. Uh, Breakout Patrick Sandoval to add to my rotation. A little bit of youth. Right. I'm not 35-year-old. Interesting. Um, now, see, this third base is very shallow. And I'm, like, already at the bottom of the barrel here for third base. Um I'm actually going to do a little bit of a reach here. I'm a big, big, big Cabrian Hayes fan. Um, I think he was in, he was injured last year. If his wrist is fine, he's going to get playing time. I think he is a stud. Um, it's a little bit of a reach, but I don't have a third base, and third base gets really shallow really quickly, so I'd rather get someone that I actually like as opposed to someone that I'm not thrilled with. So I'm going to go Cabrian Hayes here. Okay. It goes to me. Now there's a lot of hitters who suddenly pop up here. There's a lot of outfielders I like. There's only one middle infielder that I like here. So I'm going to grab the middle infielder that I like in Gleyber Torres. I think he's going to have a nice bounce back year. Take him as my shortstop. And I like a lot of outfielders here, so I'm going to take the top one that I think I like. You're going to take, um, take the guy from my queue, aren't you? Because we, we, we think alike. We do all these drafts alike. <laughs> so I'm going to take a gap. I'm going to take a guess and think that you're probably going to go after Hunter Renfro. So, no, I'm actually going to pick up a little steal. This guy is raking right now in spring training. I'm going to go with Kil Badu, who's not at the top, but he's $2 lower than I probably top of my queue. So, uh, a Kil Badu is mine. Steal. Interesting. And all my outfields, outfielders were just taken by the computer, which is just wonderful. Nah. I, had Dil I had Dylan Renfro. Carlson in my queue, and I had Hunter Renfro in my queue. So I guess it's back to the drawing board. Um, I, 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 the pitchers here, I guess I can go another pitcher. I'm not thrilled with what's out there right now. I don't love the closers that are there. Um, I, I'm a little stuck here. I think the guy who's going to give me the most value and the highest guy on our list right now, 
according to the outfield is Jorge Soler. Again, I'm not getting stolen bases right now, but I'm getting I'm trying to get the top value so I can try to accumulate as much value as possible. All right. I would I was thinking about Soler, by the way. Uh, I have got to fill out my hitting. And one thing I've done as of recent is I've kind of moved away from putting focus on stolen bases, which I don't love that I did, especially with buying some of them early on. So uh, Bogman loves this guy, and I like him a little bit more in an OBP format as well for some stolen bases just because he's been he's a batting average risk, but at OBP, it's a lot better. I'm going to go Robbie Grossman on the other side of that Detroit outfield, get me some stolen bases for my third outfielder. And then coming back, there was a big old outfield run, it looks like. Adolis, we had Conforto finally go. Uh, another catcher went in there, Keeper Ruiz, as you guys have talked about to continuously mention. And I don't love anybody that's around here. I actually, I may dislike all of them, as a matter of fact, the more I stare at this. But I have no pitching spots to fill. I've got all the power in the world, OBP. I feel like if I'm smart about this, I want to keep a focus on stolen bases. And middle infield is getting really garbage as well. Could save that guy for later. Ooh. Don't you hate it too when you're in a mock draft yeah. and you're looking around and you see a guy and you're like, ooh, that guy, but for later. And then yeah. you're just praying that he's actually going to be there. Um, Let me just give one more over here. Gosh. It's like I want to trade this pick for like three picks in the next yeah. two rounds. <laughs> like, Can I do that, please? Yeah. Uh, I am going to go with, oh, you know who, you know what? This is actually an interesting one. This is a prime example of something we talked about. This is a stolen base guy, um, uh, an OBP guy, and no one cared about him because he didn't have a team. I'm going to go with Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham with the Reds who's got a spot. He was nice. an OBP guy in the past, and I can get some cheap stolen bases, so why not? And speaking of stolen bases, I'm going to be reaching again. I'm going to reach for stolen bases here. I need a sh I need a shortstop and a guy who steals who could steal up to 20 bases this year. Ahmed Rosario. It's a little bit lower on the list, but he's a shortstop, okay. and shortstop is getting oh. a little thin right now. So I think I'm going to go with him just to get some stolen bases there. That hurt my soul. I love that pick. Okay, up to me. Um, ah. I was going to go for Alex Verdugo, which would have been a really late pick, uh, but he was taken here. All right, the top, I'm going to go with the two of the top players on the board. I like pitcher John Means, who I think is a great whip. I love the whip pitchers. They moved the wall back. I don't know why his ADP didn't go up. It's crazy. And I can either go with uh, Mark Canha or Adam Duval. I love Canha's OBP. Give me a little bit of everything. I love the round categories. I'm going to go with Mark Canha. Ruben. I was looking at him. I was thinking, you know, he would fit me pretty well. But then I'm looking at the pitcher slot, and there's a pitcher who we have ranked a little bit higher who usually goes later in the draft. But, I mean, pitch, starting pitchers are getting to the area where you're a little nervous about them. Um, I'm going to take a stab at Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan had a very good second half of the year. He's in a decent pitching ballpark, and the pitching drop is, I mean, you mentioned John Means. The drop is going to start to become very 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 big soon for stuff for starting pitchers so i'm going to go with joe ryan all right already back to me um i need to fill this spot out not that i think people are going to be dying to get it 
there's a couple short stops. I mean, the short stop pool is pretty gross if we're being honest right now. And there are still a couple decent names out there, but you're talking from a very small pool. And I don't know which one I want. I'm going to go with, due to injury, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to go with Brandon Crawford, who's a nice cheap get. And then coming back, I might fill back out the other middle infield guy just because, yeah, I mean, wow, we had a big old middle infield run here. And he's leading off for the Diamondbacks. He's another stolen base guy. I'm going to go with Josh Rojas. Actually just hit a home run today. Uh, filling out some cheap, and he's position eligible, second short and outfield here, helps me out a little bit, uh, getting some more of those cheap stolen bases late. So now I've got Crawford and Rojas as my two picks. And Rojas is so valuable because he plays everywhere. I had him on a couple teams last year just because so many guys got hurt, I just used him to fill in. It just made life so much easier. Now I'm going to pick a guy, I need a corner infielder, and for some reason, nobody likes him. They said that he's in the best shape of his career. He's lost 20 pounds, I think, I think, since last year. I'm talking about Miguel Sano, the big power hitter. If he can actually put the ball in play a little bit more, his OBP can go up a little bit higher. But I think I'm going to go with Miguel Sano because, again, he is the highest value. I need a corner, and that's what I'm going with. Who goes before me is Urquidy, who I was about to take. Benintendi, O'Neal Cruz, Hap, uh, and Urias. Uh, I'm looking at Alex Wood as my highest pitcher. I need two pitcher slots, so Alex Wood is the guy. Also, good whip. Uh, San Francisco knows what they're doing. I like it. Um, I do need a pitcher slot. I need a utility and then a bench so I can take anybody. And let's just see who the highest people are up there. Um, well, we got Brandon Belt is still there. Okay, I'll take <laughs> I'll take Brandon Belt then. <laughs> All right. He's just a big value, $10 value in this format. And the last round, I'll take it. Okay. I, I like that. And another guy who gets no love, no love, is an outfielder also from Minnesota, made because he plays in Minnesota, is Max Kepler. He's very good. His batting average stinks, but this is an OBP league, so it's not as a big of a deficit for me to have him on my team. I need, I need one final outfielder. He's the highest I have on my value. So I'm going with Max Kepler, going with value. I like that pick. Um, system's bogged down a little bit. I like that Kepler pick quite a bit as I still have one outfield spot that is open. Um, this guy can be an albatross, and I think there's some inherent risk in it. But in OBP, I'm, a, I'm actually currently projected on this as the highest OBP. So I think there's an argument where, you know, maybe you could avoid it. But this is the 30 plus homer guy uh, who had a, you know, solid back into the season also qualifies as shortstop. I'm gonna go with Eugenio Suarez here. Um, I'm not feeling as much of a crunch with how I've constructed my OBP. And I think he can bounce back a little bit and I could use some more power in RBI. And then it swings back to me. And I have still got to fill out my catcher, outfield, and then you guys said we're doing one bench. Oh, yeah, so catcher. I forgot about that. Yeah, there's that, there's that catcher position. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned it got so, so, so yeah. shallow so quickly that everyone just ignored it. You should it. wait until your last pick, though, for that. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, you should do at this point. Yeah, and I'm looking at a couple outfielders here. Uh, you know what? Let's do this. Let's. We're going to bring the OBP back up after what I just did with Johanio Suarez, and we're going to take Brandon Nimmo as my fifth outfielder, big OBP guy that will counteract a little bit of what I uh, put down there with Johanio Suarez. 
and I have two pitcher slots and a bench slot to go, so I think I'm going to go pitcher here. Uh, the pitcher I was looking at, I know, Ariel, you love him. Um, he's he going to be, I think, the opening day starter for Texas. He has the ability to strike out 100, 150 Gray? to 200. Yes, John Gray. I, th I think this is, at this point, when you're filling out your final spots, you can reach a little bit. This is where you should be reaching a little bit. Maybe get some upside on these guys because these are guys who are, you're going to be churning on your roster anyway. So I'm going to go with John Gray here. Okay. Um, Nimmo was just taken. I was going to take Jordan Montgomery, the pitcher, who looked pretty good. All right. Um, don't love the pitchers. Let me do the uh, let me do the hitter first. <laughs> That's the easier one. Um, the two hitters I'm looking at, I believe, are Nathaniel Lowe, and the other was Jamer Candelario. And since I have, uh, you know, McMahon will be my swing guy if I need him, just for positional flexibility. Let's go for Candelario. Um, I like it. I'll take him as my bench, actually. And so now I get a pitcher, and I need a pitcher and a catcher, literally, is what I need. Last two rounds. Uh, I can take the catcher now, but that's stupid. Just take it with the very last pick, and I'll get whoever the hell is there. So it's just starting pitcher, who the best guy is. Could also take a relief pitcher. That's an option, too. Matt Barnes is available. Thank you. Okay, good, because I, I was worried you'd take the other guy. Okay. <laughs> Does that mean I can't take the other guy now? <laughs> no, you could take you could take him. He's fine. Um, yeah, I can do that, or I can go for another starter because uh, I don't see any starter that I like, so what the hell? Everyone's taking a couple of relief pitchers. Let's go Matt Barnes uh, in Boston. I think he's the guy over Whitlock. Whitlock's not going to really save, so it's Barnes, and maybe he was injured down the stretch, and that was why that he wasn't well, the closer. I, I that's I, I that's the guy I want is Whitlock because Whitlock could okay. be a swing guy. He can be a he could be the closer. He could start. He's got great stuff. He was electric. I saw him in person pitch a couple times. He is really good. I need one less pitcher spot. I don't love the other pitchers here. And I'd rather have this swing guy. You never know. He can hit as being a starter. He can hit as being the closer. So I think there's upside there. So I'm gonna go with Garrett Whitlock. Okay. So since we've got the bench, I am sitting here trying to say, see, do I want to go pitcher from my bench spot or do I want to go hitter from my bench spot? And I don't think it's going to help the projections, but oh well, who cares? Let's go <laughs> with exactly what I talked about before, and I'm going to take Spencer Torkelson. All right. We talked, we talked about Spencer breaking camp right around 248. That's where I like it. And then we will come back. Final pick. Uh, yep, taking my catcher, and my guy's still on the board. I'll take Sean Murphy. Oh, there goes my pick there. Okay. Boom. Um, I think, see, this is the point. I'm looking at my team. I have a bench spot. That's all that's left. I'm looking at my team. Where am I the most weak? I'm probably the most weak in the middle infield, especially shortstop. There are no great shortstops out there left. It got very uh, shallow very quickly, so I'm not thrilled with that. I mean, I have my eyes on maybe getting a, a kinder for Leffa because I know he's going to get at bats. Nicky Lopez, he'll, he gets on base. He gets you stolen bases. So I think I'm going to go with Nicky Lopez just because I've been right, light and stolen bases the whole time. He can help me in, at, at shortstop. And I can always move around Ahmed Rosario, who's eligible in the outfield. So I can, if I need stolen bases for a couple of weeks, I'll go with Nicky Lopez and Ahmed Rosario in the outfield. So I'm going to go with Nicky Lopez here. All right. We'll all review our teams in just a second. Uh, my last pick has to be a catcher. Uh, there is Narvaez, Carson Kelly, Kirk. Uh, let's go with Mike Zunino. What the hell? 
All right. Uh, there we go. And that's Why the not? end of there. Let's. Uh, I got an A minus. Um, projected standings are. Let's see. Loading. They let's gave see. me an A. They gave me an A plus. I said said ninety seven out of a hundred. Ooh. Wow. I only got wow. a B plus on this one. It didn't like me quite <laughs> as much. All right. Yes, Ruvain, you get the score of ninety seven in first place. I'm at ninety four. Welsh in third wow, place at wow. 92, so we beat everybody else. Uh, let's just uh, go through our uh, roster. Um, why don't you go first, Welsh, and just uh, read off who you got. And one of the most hilarious things I just want to point out, on the when you use the Draft Wizard, it then goes into the projected standings. There's a bunch of interesting things where you can click into expert opinions on like who liked your draft and who hated your draft. Oh, uh, yeah. And they'll also have the one guy that liked you the most. And guess what? Hot take. Chris Welsh of Fantasy Pros liked my draft the most of any of them. You know so. who likes mine? Ariel Cohen, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's the best part about jo- it. Joe Pizapia, thumbs down, the, the worst one for me. Who, oh, who, okay. Who, who likes mine, by the way? Uh, go where it says expert opinions, and you can expert see it. Expert opinions. Yeah, expert opinions will show you. And oh, I, see, I had, uh, see, see I'm, I'm, not, I'm not part of the Fantasy Pros family, so I can't see that. Oh. oh. Well, no, you, anyone can see it. Anyone can see, should be able to see those. It's just if you're not logged in or I don't know, you should be able to. But Dalton Del Don always hates all of my drafts. So that's been pretty standard. <laughs> um, all right, all right. So my team, I had Sean Murphy at catcher. My infield was Paul Goldschmidt, Ozzie Albies, Brandon Crawford, and Chris Bryant. My corner middle was Eugenio Suarez with Josh Rojas. My outfield, Acuna, Alvarez, because he qualifies. Robert, Robbie Grossman, Tommy Pham, Brandon Nimmo, and DH. I've got Giancarlo Stanton. My pitchers, Verlander, Bassett, Kershaw, Eovaldi. I have Kopech, Sandoval, and then Edwin Diaz and Ryan Presley as my closers. And my one bench guy was Spencer Torkelson. The hitting is, I'm sorry, hitting is very good. The pitching is a little suspect with Verlander, Kershaw. Uh, Do you know the funniest luck. thing about the projections? The projections loved my pitching. I was top five, I think, in four of the five categories, and I was six in the the other. And my hitting took a real tumble in the middle, where I was I was near. I was it was you and I through the first ten or twelve rounds of projection on hitting, and then it tumbled. The only one I think that's a top five for me was OBP. I think I was two or three overall in OBP. So you know the thing about projections are that uh, a lot of projections are always very high in the innings for these pitchers, like. Verlander, I don't know, is he going to have 150 innings? Maybe, but usually these guys come in on the under, so I always suspect on those injury guys. And I am a projections guy, and I know that it comes through. ATC hopefully is a little bit on the light side in these guys, but it's always still too high for my taste. Uh, Ruvain? Well, my team, I have one of the top catchers in Yasmani Grandal corners. I have, I have Pete Alonso at first. I had to reach a little bit for Cabrian Hayes at third because it got shallow very quickly. I got Miguel Sano for power and upside. I always try to go stolen bases for the middle infield, and that's exactly what I did with Javi Baez, Ahmed Rosario. Um, I have Nicky Lopez on my bench as a possible another shortstop in there for stolen bases. Um, my other middle infielder is Brandon Lau. You got power there. I really like my outfield. My outfield is all power, power, power. Bryce Harper, George Springer, 
Jorge Soler, Marcelo Zuna, Max Kepler. My utility is Jonathan India, who's a good 15-15 guy. So I think my hitting is pretty, pretty balanced. And my pitching, this is not too shabby. DeGrom, Ro uh, Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, which is my fourth starting pitcher, which I'm perfectly happy with. Relief pitchers, I got Classe and Taylor Rogers, two of the top top tier, possible top, one top tier closer, one mid-tier closer, and I have John Gray for upside, Garrett Whitlock for upside, so I have those positions where I can just dump them if I need to and pick someone up, so I'm, I'm actually very happy. I think my team is very balanced. All right, mine, I've got uh, a free catcher in Mike Zanino. My corners are Matt Olson, Josh Donaldson with Ryan McMahon at corner. The Olson pick is good, and those other guys are above value. Middle infield, Trey Turner, Trevor Story, Gliber Torres. Can't argue with that. The outfield, Aaron Judge, Austin Meadows, Joey Gallo, Akil Badu, Mark Canha. Very balanced categorically with Judge at the top. And Brandon Belt, pretty decent utility. Pitching, no studs, but Max Reed, Carlos Rodon, and Alec Manoa, good top three. John Means should provide some good uh, ratios in there. I've got Alex Wood as another starter, and my closers, I've got Matt Barnes at the end, but I have Liam Hendricks and Jordan Romano. Pretty good. And on the bench, Jamer Condelario. You never know when you can need him. All right. Well, did you have fun, Chris? Was this, was this fun for you, Ruben? I always have fun. I always have fun mock drafting. I always have fun spending time with you, Ariel, and I appreciate uh, you having me on. I think my first appearance on uh, your show, so and I really appreciate it. Second appearance. When you was were on I with, on? Uh, you were on with... Uh, a Bogman once. When I don't believe it. Oh, you know. Well, it was a Bogman. We talked. I'm we talked so about long. Hall of Fame. We remember, remember that conversation. Yeah. yeah well, I, said, I meant. I meant me, Ariel. Not that's not true. that Bogman solo. Character. Solo. Okay. First yeah, solo. Yeah, exactly. First solo. That's that true. Bogman that's guy. True. Yeah. No. Thank you very much. It's great. I love doing the mock draft. It, 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 you know, I've been killing Pizapia and. Bogman and anyone we've been having on, this was probably the lowest grade I got in any of the fantasy pros ones. So this was, <laughs> it's a good test. It's a, it's good. And this, it's like a constant thing. I tell everybody is go in different places, listen to lots of different podcasts, try out different things, mock draft, try out different strategies, pivot a little bit. Like, would I want to go into a season with this pitching staff? No, really wouldn't. Did I get the closers? No. I, you know, I mean, you want to experiment and you want to do this as much as possible uh, for your live drafts, which may have happened, or you may be coming up this weekend. So I'm glad that I got to uh, have a little bit even more of a challenge with both of you guys. There you go. And uh, hey, that's our second draft in the same week with uh with you and i chris so that's you're right of, about that yeah yeah you're right yeah. about that and, and this, draft, uh, this, this draft was a little bit of a challenge because both you ariel me and you we think alike we've been working true. together for so many years for over i say 10 15 years we're doing this together as as teammates so i know who you like you true. know who i like which puts us at a disadvantage because we're fighting for the same players that's true that's true well hopefully everybody who listened to the show got something in terms of our decision process um you know obviously you know, there were some points where we had to pause and think because this is lightning fast here. I mean, all the other picks we didn't have to wait for. We didn't have time. It was just automatic. Uh, but hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, please let us know if you did enjoy it, and hopefully it helped you with your own drafts in 2022. Before we let you go, Chris, why don't you just tell everybody where we can see all your stuff and hear you uh, uh, outside of uh, get being a guest on the Beat the Shift here. Yeah, I mean, all the places. Uh, obviously, my, my home, bread and butter in this league. In this league, made it uh, to the Final Four in the Baseball Pods Tournament. I know. Got our butts whooped by CBS. So but did we. Is, 
So but did we. I, I will say, <laughs> two straight years and in this league podcast made it to the final four, which I'm very, wow. very proud of. Prospect won last year, which is my prospect solo show, and then in this league making it this year. Um, we've got tons of stuff over there, and we're going through what we call our hell week, which is like, you know, if you've ever um, uh, played football, they have a hell week, Oklahoma's and stuff. We do an episode every single day. It's our rank episodes if people want to check out, plus a backlog of incredible amount of episodes Ariel has been on. Uh, and then I am now on Fantasy Pros. It's going to be three days a week on leading off with Joe Pizapia, but I've been doing two for the last, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks or whatever. So you guys can check out. I'm on a gajillion shows right now. But follow me on Twitter. Is it the Welsh? It's the best place to follow what I have going on. In between all of this, I am over on the backfields and going to spring training games and trying to get video. I will be doing it this weekend. I did it today, and I will continue going, trying to get all those little nuggets. So uh, just follow me. Is it the Welsh? And that is the easiest place to find all of the chaos and craziness that I'm doing. And Welsh does live in Arizona, where he purposely missed Ruvain and I when we were at Arizona for the AFL, right? In that, the same, we talked about this. It, we were literally at the same game, yeah. and we didn't get a to few each of them. other. It was wild. Like yeah. there was one time where it was like, you're, I'm like, hey, I'm at the the hotel, and you're like, I'm at the stadium, and then I went to the stadium, and you were gone, and you weren't there. It was crazy yeah. how we missed each other. But hopefully, <laughs> we have to rectify that this next year uh, for uh, the AFL if you come back out. There you go. All right, Ruvain, how about your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I'm tweeting out injury updates fast and furiously as they're coming now. And in about a week or two, my article on Rotoballer, my weekly article on Rotoballer for injuries will be coming out. And you can catch that during the season. It comes out usually on Saturday to prep you for your fab for Sunday night. Awesome. All right. I'm Ariel Cohen. You can read my stuff over at Fangraphs, Rotographs, on Sportsline, at Rotoballer, ATC projections being updated every week. Check them out. It was, I got to tell you, last couple of weeks were fast and furious because the number of changes in a period of time over March was insane. Uh, that's not something I've ever had to deal with. So uh, thanks for bearing with me. And we got some good stuff out for you guys. And draft season is upon us. So want to wish you guys good luck. Uh, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at ATCNY. And of course, listen to me right here on the Beat the Shift podcast. Presented by Fangrass. Once again, thank you for listening to our mock draft episode with Chris Welsh as our guest. Thanks so much for joining. And to all of you out there, enjoy and have a great fantasy draft season. We'll see you next time on Beat the Shift. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.